Welcome to LilyPod episode 41. Hurry and wait. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. When I first heard the term hurry and wait, it was with regards to travel. You know how you go to the airport a couple hours early, you hurry there to be able to check in and be there at your appointed time, and then you wait to get on the plane and then you get on the plane and then you wait for it to leave. And you know, the same thing with buses, you hurry to the bus stop. So you're there on time, but then you wait for the bus to show up and then you hurry and get on the bus and then you wait for the bus to get to your destination. So traveling is a lot of hurry and wait, but that also shows up in real life. And when we were thinking about the podcast, we would publish on the day that our book is released, this is the topic that kept coming to mind because the entire process of writing and publishing a book is all about hurry and wait. Yep. You're hurrying to get it written, but you're waiting a long time after that to figure out how you're going to publish it and uh, making sure all the edits get done and you have beta readers look at it. And so there's a lot of, of things we have to wait for. Uh, that aren't even within our direct control. And a lot of things we have to hurry for in order to be able to wait for the things we need. Right. I was thinking about this actually at state conference, uh, not this past weekend, but the one before. And our state president gave an interesting talk on in the Saturday evening session. And he said that Uh, He was analyzing the scripture, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Now, I had always assumed that the word straight in that context meant sort of direct, like a straight line. And I I had kind of understood from that that it's talking about how there's a a bright line, an easy path to, to going into God's glory. And actually, straight, I had never noticed this, is spelled S-T-R-A-I-T. And the president said it's a straight like the Straits of Magellan or the Strait of Gibraltar. or In other words, a narrow opening. And I actually checked out his interpretation in Strong's Concordance to the Bible. And I looked for the uh, translation of the original Greek word. And sure enough, it's a straight, it's a narrow opening because of the placement of certain objects. So a straight road or a straight and narrow path or a straight gate is not literally like a straight line. It is a straight, a narrow path. So I think sometimes when we think about the things that we are waiting for. Well, and it's a narrow path, isn't it, with dangers on all sides? Right. And so, uh, yeah, things we could run into. And 
if there's an object placed right in front of us, we have to divert our path a little bit to go around it. And so I think we're inclined sometimes to think that it's a straight road, but that's not really what it means. It could take many winding turns. It's almost like navigating a maze. And sometimes that requires us to check out blind alleys and I think about Elder Holland's talk um, about the wrong road. And he said that he and his son were, were driving and they were inspired to go down this one road. And then several hundred yards down that road, it's just sort of ended. And so they turned around and went the other way. And he was like, why, why am I, why was I inspired to take the wrong road? And he thought, well, I had to resolve in my mind that that was the wrong road, or I would have been worried about it the whole time I was on the right road. And right, so he hurried down the wrong road, so he could know he was on the right road. And he had to and wait a little to while wait. to get back to the right road. Yeah. And and so I think we're inclined to think sometimes that that uh, if we're lengthening our stride and doing what we're supposed to do, that there's a straight line between where we are and where we're supposed to be. And I think life is messier than that oftentimes, that we're called upon to navigate through dire straits, narrow straits, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, and for those of you who like to hike, I mean, we're here in Utah, and for any of our listeners here or anywhere along, you know, a mountainous terrain, there's a lot of paths on mountains that I would think would would be a straight. Right. Where you you can't really go up the hill because it's, you know, jagged rock. I mean, unless you're rock climbing. Uh, and then there's, you know, a big drop right below if you don't stay right in that little windy path. And, right. uh, and that does seem to be how we navigate life sometimes. And I think we can hurry more when we have the energy and when we have the stamina and when we've had, you know, snacks and rest. And then, you know, sometimes we have to wait to be able to make more progress while we stop and care for our needs and determine whether we're still going the right direction and whatnot. Right. One of the things we should probably uh, bring up on this subject, however, is that there are various reasons why we need to wait for certain things. And one of them is not because we're afraid. And that's that's a very difficult one because I think sometimes we can say, oh, I'm waiting on the Lord. And so I'm not doing anything about whatever it is I desire. I'm not doing anything about it because I'm waiting on the Lord. And I think that can be a very tempting way to be passive and you think about the scriptural admonition, it's actually the most often repeated phrase in the scriptures. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So those aren't passive words. Ask, seek, knock. Uh, they involve the Lord, certainly. We're asking him to show up and, and bless us, but we've got to ask, we've got to seek. We've got to knock. And so I think, you know, I mean, I, I had this discussion today with a wonderful member of our Love and Later Years group um, who was saying, well, I, I don't necessarily want to 
intentionally search for my companion. I want to be found. Well, I mean, I, I get that. We'd all like to be found. Oh, I wanted that. Have someone else just put forth all the effort. But I think I wanted that because I, I was so intentionally searching and I was wearing myself out. And at some point I had to say, you know, it, this goes both ways. <laughs> right. And so I think sometimes we have to be more zealous if we're underzealous or or relax a bit if we're over zealous. Maybe you could talk about um, what your approach and experience was to marriage, um, you know, the first first time around and so forth, and how that differed from the way you approached it when we ultimately got together. Oh, wow. That's a good question. So my first spouse came into my life the very first day of college, and it was just a relationship that dropped in my lap and it felt right and we moved forward and we had two beautiful babies and we ended up divorced and that of course was not at all the path i saw for myself as i'm sure many divorced people feel for the same way um, and then after that marriage ended i had another relationship come into my life like literally just drop in my lap again uh actually at church um, someone had moved into the ward after their own divorce. And, and then I ended up dating and marrying that person. And uh, it did not end up working out. I wasn't healed from my previous marriage. In a lot of ways, that second marriage helped me heal. Uh, but that wasn't a good foundation for the start of, of a relationship. So after that ended, I took measures to be very intentional about my healing and also about my dating. And, and I and dated a lot so of much people. Of a hurry? Yeah, maybe in, yeah, I, I was, I took a lot of time to get to know many, many different kinds of people. And I didn't settle when I felt like none of them were right for me. I made sure that I continued to date until it felt like the right path. You know, I remember you telling me on our very first date, I'm not going to get married again unless I just know that it's going to be awesome. And I don't think I fully comprehended what you were talking about at the time, but I think what you were saying is I'm, I'm not in a hurry. I'm taking my time. Yeah. I mean, my biological clock felt like it was in a hurry, <laughs> but you know, God doesn't seem to know my age. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> it's still an issue. But anyway, I mean, th that can be an, a challenge for women. Um, but but I, I didn't let that deter me from my ultimate goal, which was to have, because I mean, it really wouldn't get me any closer to my goal if I ended up in another marriage that didn't work out. Right. So. I, I have often heard <clears throat> uh, women say, I, I've tried asking guys out. It never works. And the thing I would ask you to consider, and I'm not saying you should or shouldn't ask a guy out. You might have whatever approach you have. But but I, I think if, if we're not asking guys out because we're afraid, that's something to, to ponder. Well, um, and men probably 
are sometimes timid and shy for the same similar reasons. Oh yeah. The fact that, that we are born male and have the priesthood doesn't make us any less fearful of approaching someone we think we might like to ask to get to know her. Because whoever does the asking is taking a risk. And I would say you may hurry up uh, to ask someone out and we recommend that. Uh, but you may have to wait to determine whether they're the one because it takes some getting to know each other first. Or even wait to get the opportunity to to go on a date if the first person you ask says no. Right. But I think more often than not, people say yeah. Right. I didn't experience a no very often. Once in a while I did in my mid-single dating life. But I I think it's like with what Kathy was just saying, she might have been in a hurry the first and second time she got married because she didn't know how to be alone or she didn't have. That was the second time. And with the first time, I actually didn't go to college to get married, uh, but it did end up happening. Right. And both times I did date them for a year, so that wasn't a rush either. Right. I just didn't intentionally seek out the very best possible person for myself i allowed the relationships that came into my life to become those those and i i do think they were part of my path i accept that the marriages and the divorce subsequent divorces were part of my life path part of my straight right that you were talking about yeah i mean i think i think along the lines of what kathy's just said um if we're if we're diligently or persistently seeking for our partner, our king or our queen, we have an opportunity to hurry to do that. But, you know, the objection that I've often gotten, oh, I've tried asking guys out, it never works. And you could ask any guy that's dated multiple women this, you know, this question, and he would say, well, I've tried asking women out, it never works. I mean, uh, typically, the way our gender roles work in our society, men don't say that. But, but they, they are just as discouraged if they try one time after another to connect with somebody and it ends up not working out. It, it, it does feel dispiriting at times. I guess the point I would make is it never works until it does. And it only works once. So it only needs to work once. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it would be funny to think about it any other way. Like, um, you know, I've dated 12 girls in the last year and I only married six of them. What? You know, of course, it only works once because once it works, then you're on to a different, a different journey. You're, you're making your marriage work out. I think my goal was to date at least a hundred people before I settled <laughs> on one. And I think I got to maybe 70 <laughs> over like three years or something. Yeah. She had a frenetic dating pace, <laughs> but I mean, it, it, you know, this business of trying to find your companion, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know why I'm reminded of Jeff Foxworthy he says, have you ever noticed that people say when they lost something and they and they find it, it was in the last place I looked. <laughs> and 
He well, says, yeah, because you wouldn't keep looking, right? <laughs> well, I sure as hell hope so. <laughs> hey, Jeff, did you find your keys? <laughs> yeah, but I'm still looking for them, just in case we're living in a parallel universe. <laughs> so, <laughs> to tell you, to, 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 to apply that profound thought <laughs> to dating... Nobody that's out there in the dating game has found their person yet. I mean, maybe a widow or widower has found someone that they love deeply for a long time. But the point is they're they're looking because they don't have their person with them at the time. And so we're all in that, you know, you're all in that same boat uh, when you're a mid-single. You're you're looking for that special person and of course, it it never works out. It's never worked out for anybody until it did, and and it only needs to work out once because you're not going to keep looking. Uh, hopefully, once you've found that relationship, unless you're living in that parallel universe, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, this uh, this concept reminded me of the words in a conference talk, and I looked them up. Um, because I I loved the words persistence being mirrored with patience. And that was in Elder Dunn's talk, 1% Better, in October of 2021. And it he said that in order for small gains to aggregate, there must be consistent day in and day out effort. And that 1% better idea is that we can take whatever we're doing in the realm of, let's say, dating for mid-singles or whatever other goals that we have in our lives. And if we can make daily consistent efforts to just keep doing 1% better, over time, it's a big, massive result. Right. He talked about cycling, the sport of cycling, and how, you know, fractions of a second that result from one little change in technique over time become very important. And, you know, sometimes races are won by fractions of a second. Uh, so, and I think we can apply that in our lives as well. Well, and, you know, with this patience and perseverance in mind, obviously the perseverance is the hurry. Right. And the patience is the weight. Uh, the perse perseverance suggests determination where an individual strives to achieve his target. And patience suggests tolerance or endurance of a difficult situation. Um, they're two qualities that are linked together, but they're different. And they're the hurry and the weight. You know, I remember Dr. Stephen Covey when when he was alive, there was an example he always used to give that I, I found funny, but was actually very profound too. He compared farming and school. And he, he said, um, you ever stay up all night the night before an exam and cram and then go in the next day and dump all the information on the exam and then forget it all? He says, do you ever cram on the farm? <laughs> He says, you know, maybe I can neglect planting in the springtime and neglect irrigating all summer, but in the fall, I can really work hard to make it up and bring in the harvest. Of course, that's silly. It doesn't work. So perseverance involves consistent effort. 
And in the beginning, you've got to you've got to till your ground, you've got to plant those seeds, then you've got to water them. And then there's patience. There's, you know, you're hurrying up to get the seeds in so they'll have time to grow, but then you got to wait for them to grow. And it doesn't do any good to stand over your plants and shake your fist and demand that they grow faster. Mm -hmm. And if you just give up after two or three days and say, no, this is, this isn't working. Well, you haven't given it enough time yet. And sometimes it's hard for us to wait, especially if we're a mid single and we've been disappointed in love and we just want that relationship so desperately, so badly. You know, we want to know after the first date if this person might be the one. And we may be running off to the temple prematurely to pray for guidance. But the point is, you can't really shake your fist over your plants and, and, and demand that they grow faster. It doesn't work. You've got to continue to put in consistent effort to water, fertilize, whatever. And then ultimately your plants will come up. Yeah. You know, and I was just thinking about patience and how, so I'm a, I'm a Suzuki violin teacher and Dr. Suzuki wrote in his book, Nurtured by Love, that patience is seen differently in Japan than it is in, in the United States. So here in America, we tend to think of patience as grit your teeth and bear, bear it, you know, just like, <laughs> like just wait you know like this hurry and wait the wait here in america is aggravating <laughs> until my plants come up and bear fruit i'm not gonna be happy <laughs> <laughs> and then in in japan he he said it's really it's putting the information in over and over until it gels right and so if you think of training a child on violin uh, and I've sometimes taken students as you as young as two or three, uh, they don't retain very much very early and <laughs> it takes a lot of patience. And I had some of that aggravated American <laughs> patience <laughs> going on, but I kept away from remembering in his, his book, Nurtured by Love, that patience is just putting that information in over and over again, trusting that it will eventually be worth it. Right. And, you know, I was also thinking about the fact that recently in a teacher training class uh, on neuroscience, uh, we learned that most of the of the assimilation that happens when we're learning anything new. So for those of you in school, for those of you developing any kind of talent, uh, our assimilation happens most when we're at rest and even more when we're at rest sleeping. So right. this motivates me to practice with my own children when they have, when we have an opportunity, even if it's for a short period of time so that they're practicing basically in their sleep. Right. But that can only happen on a daily basis. And I think that's why Elder Dunn said how much it is important to to do the daily consistent effort because there's something we assimilate when we're resting and well, especially while we're sleeping where the next day we come back and we do it better than if we'd practiced for two hours. If we just practice that five minutes or whatever on that one passage, we come back and it's better because of the rest that we had after that initial burst of effort. Well, and if you tried to cram for a recital, um, 
and practice several hours the day before, but you hadn't really started learning the music, it's probably going to be pretty rough, right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, that big concert I was in charge of with 400 Suzuki violin students, they'd been learning the music, a lot of them for a year. Some of them learned it more last minute and some of them didn't end up showing up <laughs> because it was too late. Um, but for those who had been playing it for a long time, I mean, they, they talked about like they could sing it while they were half asleep. You know, it was, it was ingrained in them. And so it was easy for them to get up on stage with 400 people and play this music all from memory for right. like 45 minutes straight. And, and how would you apply that to building relationships as a mid-single? Which thing? The neuroscience? Uh, or the, yeah, the Suzuki example you gave. Well, I, I think sometimes when we have persevered and and really done a lot of the hurrying, like you said, the frenetic pace at which I dated sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes we have to take a step back and rest. Right. And that's the weight part. And I think that's a, a wise weight. Uh, when we can t know that we've done our, our duty, we've done our, our best, and then we wait for the results to show up. And, and if we can do so more in a Japanese way rather than American way, we'll be happier <laughs> um, and more peaceful because we will be trusting that the results will show up the way we want them to eventually. Right. I mean, I think in, in much of the world, people get ahead of themselves not waiting for sex until they're married. And of course, in our culture, that is a very commonly understood principle, but in the rest of the world, it, it's not so much. Um, if you go five or six dates without it, you're, you've gone a long time. So, um, but I think that's a big weight that is, is asked of our members, uh, especially if they've been married before. Yes. Yes. You, you hurry and get divorced and then you wait to have sex until you're married again. <laughs> right. And you know, that could be years and just thinking about that makes you frustrated. Yeah. The hurry and wait thing is applies to a lot of dating and relationship stuff. Right. And, and building a relationship. Uh, I I've mentioned this before, I think on this podcast that uh, the last marriage counselor, my first wife and I had said that you could go to Alma 32, where it talks about growing faith, like growing a plant and uh, planting a seed that you know, you could replace the word faith with love everywhere that it occurred in that chapter, and it would it would be just as enlightening. And so I, I've done that. I've gone to it and looked at it and thought about, you know, how it sounds if you change that word and to from faith to love. But again, it illustrates that a love relationship is not so much something you fall into when, when we think of falling in love. It's more something you grow. Now, you may see real promise in a particular seed and think, oh, I want to plant that seed and see where it, see how tall it grows. Uh, but I don't think there's a substitute in all of that for the waiting, for the patience, for the getting to know the person uh, 
you know, in a variety of settings, maybe in different seasons of the year and so forth. Right. Well, what do you think about this hurry and wait business? <laughs> I think it's an important principle to think about, particularly if we're mid singles and we're dating, because we can feel impatient. It's, oh yeah, I had that for sure. And we can feel like, you know, it's this, nothing is working and we can be inclined to get discouraged and give up. And, you know, I just really want to quickly mention that I had a Joseph Smith experience in dating and, and some people out there might understand what I'm saying in that I was told to join none of the many men I was dating at the time. And that was so discouraging. And I thought back to when Joseph Smith was told to join no churches that you know, another plan was in store for him and he had to wait. Right. He had to wait quite a while for what he so desperately longed for. Yeah. Between the first vision and when the church was restored was about 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we, we look back and we see the restoration of the gospel and what it's become, but when he was there, I'm sure that was excruciating. Right. So anyway, I just, I really hope that our listeners will <clears throat> hurry and buy our book and then wait hey. for it to come in the mail from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and then hurry and read it. <laughs> and then wait for your person to show up in your life as you continue your daily efforts to create that opportunity. I love the serenity prayer. And we actually did a whole other podcast episode on that, but God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the wisdom to change the things I, or no, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that illustrates focus your perseverance on things you have influence over. And, and uh, don't be patient with the things you don't, so that you know, God can can take a hand in your life. With that said, please remember, any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening to LilyPod. We'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.